Hey guys, welcome back to the show. First up, before we get into anything else, I have some announcements. Now, if you've seen the show before, you may know that every Monday and Saturday, we have our short form scripted episodes that go out. But then on Wednesdays, live at 8pm Eastern, we have our longer podcast style episodes. And those episodes are actually my favorite ones to film. We have Liam with me here co-hosting, Shane on the switcher. We take your super chats. It's just, it's a good time. But last night, that did not happen. And the reason why is that the government here where we film from has really been cracking down on things, trying to curb the spread of that illness. Uh, Non-essential businesses have been closed for quite a while, so there's no malls open, no theaters, gyms, schools, anything like that. But because we've had a recent surge of new cases, they've gone even further. And now any gathering of more than two people, i.e. all gatherings, have been banned. Indoor, outdoor, doesn't matter. You can be fined if you break this rule. It's it's a pretty big deal. Uh, for a while, we were kind of considering whether because we're part of Blaze TV and there are certain media exemptions, we could be clear to keep filming like we usually do. But then I figured, you know what? If things really are getting that bad and if people are that scared, because this is a home studio and my, my family is here, is it worth breaking quarantine by having people over to film? I don't know, but I figure it's better to be safe than sorry. So for now, this is what we have. Me solo coming at you by my lonesome. Um, our Monday and Saturday episodes that are going to be coming up will not be affected in any way. Those will be going on as usual. But as for next week's Wednesday episode, I think we're going to play things by ear. I'm hoping that things can be business as usual, but... If not, rest assured, we're going to do our best to make sure that you guys still get content while at the same time keeping safe and making sure we're following all of the new guidelines that keep being released. Um, really sorry about that. But for now, let's talk about how the world is ending and women, of course, are most affected by it. So speaking of the illness, you know the one, I feel like over the past few weeks, people just they haven't been complaining as much as they usually do about all the petty stuff that goes on. Sure, there's still been Trump derangement on social media, complaining about him calling the virus the wrong thing. Is he doing enough? That's to be expected. But overall, I feel like a lot of the petty complaints and squabbles people have have kind of taken a backseat, right? And I think when people feel unsafe or like they're their well-being is threatened, um, they kind of reprioritize things. And a lot of the little things that mattered when everything was going great all of a sudden don't matter so much anymore. However, the longer this kind of quarantine life goes on, I think people are also getting tired of being in panic mode all the time. There's only so long that people can remain in that kind of shocked state for. So... For some people, I think that shock is wearing off and they're reverting back to their old ways. For feminists, that of course means um, making everything about them. Yeah, for a lot of people, what this whole situation has done, if there can be said to be a bright side, it's brought people together, right? We've seen all countries be affected by this. Rich people, poor people, men, women. But for one Australian senator... For some reason, this is an excuse to bash the patriarchy and once again, 
paint women as the victims. Sounds shocking, I know, right? Uh, before we get into that, though, I do have to thank our sponsor, Freedom Works. So, guys, socialists Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders recently introduced bills in Congress that'll cause your energy bills to skyrocket, which I think we can all agree is the last thing we need right now. They want to ban hydraulic fracking in the U.S., even though natural gas is cheaper and better for the environment, actually, compared to fossil fuels. It's insane. Thankfully, my friends over at FreedomWorks are doing everything they can to stop them. So if you would like to help them stop AOC's assault on American energy, please text Lauren, that's my name, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, to 41490 to sign their petition. If those bills are signed into law, natural gas prices would spike by 400% and destroy more than 14 million jobs. Again, the last thing we need right now. To put that into perspective, their fracking ban would cause more economic harm and destroy more jobs than the financial financial crisis, the housing bust, and the Great Recession combined, not to mention the fact that countless working-class families would struggle just to heat their homes in the winter. That's why I'm encouraging you, my audience, to text Lauren, again, L-A-U-R-E-N, my name, to 41490 to help FreedomWorks stop AOC and Bernie Sanders' assault on American energy by signing their petition. Here's the clip. Let us not forget that is a gendered crisis. Nurses, nurse aides, teachers, child carers and early childhood educators, aged care workers and cleaners are mostly women. They are on the front line of this public health crisis and carry a disproportionate risk of being exposed to the virus. Let's also not forget that not all homes are safe places. Quarantine or self-isolation at home will put women and children at risk. Women's advocates and domestic violence experts have are warning us that domestic abuse increases during times of crisis. And I'm terribly worried that these warnings have not been heeded by this government that has long resisted adequate funding for the needed resources and refuges. This, if you ask me, is how you spot an ideologue. There is a global problem going around right now. It's affecting literally everybody, people in different countries. Again, where I live, schools are closed. Non-essential businesses are closed. Businesses will be shut down permanently because of this. I am sure some people are going to be losing their homes. Uh, police are outside roving the streets, giving people tickets for not social distancing. I, I don't even want to think about how many people's lives are going to be changed permanently because of what we're seeing right now. But still, this woman, the senator, not some random feminist online, this senator is taking the situation and asking, how does it affect women? Yes, nurses are predominantly female, but doctors are mostly male. So this is, it's a weird thing to bring up. Uh, you know who else is pro predominantly male? Policemen, firefighters, a lot of the other emergency workers who are going to be having to keep working throughout this whole crisis, uh, exposing themselves to infection every day. Does this make this, does that make this a male issue? It's just, it's such a strange way to try to paint this crisis as this gendered thing. We should be coming together and not asking which of us, men or women, is being hurt more. And the thing is, even if this is a woman's problem, what I don't understand is what, what is she suggestion. Like, oh, okay, women are affected more than that. And what also gets me is that even if this is a women's issue and women are affected more than men, what, like, what are you suggesting? Let's say you're right and women are on the front lines of this. Okay. I mean, are, are you saying that you want these women to 
have more pay, more time off, more appreciation, more support? Or are you just making sure you get all the victim points you you can have, right? Because it kind of seems like since we're in this serious situation, uh, it should be all hands on deck. But here we have this person who's complaining about not getting an, enough oppression points, not enough credit. Again, I, I don't even know. Uh, she also brings up domestic abuse. Police, again, who are overwhelmingly male, are still going to be working throughout this, uh, unless, unless you're in Philadelphia, which we did a segment about last week. But in most places, there's still rule of law. Domestic abuse victims, thank goodness, are still going to be able to reach out and report to the police what their problems are. Again, like maybe you're saying you want more funding for domestic abuse. I think everybody wants more funding right now. There's no money going around in the economy. Everything's shut down. It's just this is the strangest angle you could possibly take. And here this person is not only thinking it in their minds, but actually thinking it's a good idea to say it and then post it on social media. And what's terrifying is that this lady isn't the only one playing up this angle. She's not. There have also been similar pieces in the New York Times, The Atlantic, and we also have this article from The Guardian, again, talking about how world-ending women most affected. And we have this piece in The Guardian titled, Women's Domestic Burden Just Got Heavier With the illness. It reads, study after study has shown that even as women have stepped forward in the workforce in married heterosexual couples, women still shoulder the bulk of household chores. And 80% of single parent families are headed by single mothers, according to 2019 U.S. Census Bureau data. Okay, I understand the concern over single mother households because those are actually the households that are at greatest risk for poverty, even under regular con conditions. And then we have to think of, okay, well, what about now where everybody is laying off, being laid off? So these vulnerable households are actually now even in a worse position than they were before. It makes sense. I am totally for having a conversation about how we can help those single parent households. Bringing up chore loads <laughs> kind of seems like, like a superfluous concern as in, who cares? And again, everyone's going to be at home. So why why are you complaining about who's who's doing the chores? I feel like the massive layoffs and just the deaths, potential deaths, more of a concern. Uh, the article continues, though, that means when kids come home from school, sick or otherwise, as they are and will be around the country in the coming days and weeks, the answer of the question of who takes care of them is gendered. Already, total shutdowns have been announced in 23 states, as well as in large urban areas like Los Angeles, San Francisco and Washington, D.C. Experts expect daycare centers may soon also close en masse, and some already have. Again, because everything is closed, I feel, okay, one of the things I've seen quite a bit with this whole fiasco is how apparently some parents don't like to be the ones who have to take care of their children. And don't get me wrong, being cooped up with your family, no matter their ages, is going to be hard after, you know, day after day after day. You're going to get cabin, cabin fever. That's perfectly normal. Doesn't mean you don't love your family. Doesn't mean you're not a good mother, father, whatever. It's just, right, we understand the stress. But there are actually some people out there who are treating this and treating having to actually take care of their own children versus passing them off to teachers and uh, babysitters as like the end of the world, the worst thing ever. And that's kind of the vibes I'm getting from this article. Uh, heaven forbid daycare centers close and you have to 
take care of your kids yourself. We'll read more. Such headlines are especially bad news for mothers who already do 2.6 times as much unpaid caregiving and domestic work as their heterosexual partners, according to a recent report from the United Nations. And in the face of a pandemic, such dynamics will only be exacerbated with the elderly, whose care is also primarily shouldered by women, needing more care than ever and the sick proliferating. All right, I'm not going to deny that when it comes to child care or elderly care, just care, you know, nurturing roles in general in families that is mostly done by women. But what these studies never mention is that the reason why women are in a position, a position to shoulder more of the burden when it comes to caring and nurturing is that the men are going out and working, right? I hear a lot about the chore gap, um, but we never hear about the wage gap when it pertains to who's bringing home the income when it comes to these families. Um, so yes, uh, maybe women are going to be needing to take care of their kids more, but don't, don't forget that the, the main brunt of the financial losses are going to be borne by men, right? Men hold most hours in the workforce. So they're the ones who are going to be most affected by this. This is an everyone problem, not only a woman problem. And when you look at things in the big picture, literally every disaster out there tends to affect men more, right? If we're talking about war, obviously mostly men dying, natural disasters, rescue teams, reconstruction teams, again, mostly men. So if if we are in a position right now, and it's not a good position, I'll grant you that, but your complaint is, I have to spend more time doing housework because everyone's home. Like, this is, this is a pretty okay burden for women to have to bear. Again, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but trying to bring it up as this narrative of, oh, women are so oppressed because look how this is affecting us. I don't think you guys want to go down that road. I, I, I really don't. Maybe this is just our generation's cross to bear. I think we should be able to rise above it. What's even more ironic about all of this and trying to make this illness a gendered issue is that if, if it were to be a gendered issue, aside from the fact that tons of men are still on the front line, still working. If we look at the actual effects of the illness, kills way more men than women. Yeah, I mean, I again, I don't, I wouldn't choose to make this about men versus women, but if we are, men have it worse. Here's this article from CNN. Here's why the illness may be killing more men than women. The U.S. should take note. Smoking, drinking, general poor health. Researchers say these are some of the factors that could explain why men more than women seem to be dying from the illness. Um, I've heard people online kind of dispute this, whether the differences in lifestyle between men and women are big enough to account for the difference in death rates. Let's not forget that men and women are just biologically different. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Let us read on. In countries such as Italy, men represent nearly 60% of people who tested positive for the virus and more than 70% of those who have died, according to the country's National Health Institute. Even in countries like South Korea, where the proportion of women who have tested positive for the virus is higher than that of men, about 54% of the reported deaths are among men. But while health officials are starting to take note of these staggering numbers, the U.S. is not releasing the basic nationwide data that is crucial to understanding who is most vulnerable. Dr. Deborah Birx, the White House illness response coordinator said at a White House press briefing from Italy, we're seeing another concerning trend that the mortality rate in males seems to be twice in every age group of females. We had a good few weeks where it really did seem like the madness was dying down. Everyone was getting along, but of course, all good things must come to an end. So now 
heck, maybe gloves are off. Maybe this is we're going to go back to a world where everything must be politicized. Um, I, I'm very, very appreciative to all the nurses and the doctors and the moms and the dads that are being affected by this right now. I just think that the last thing we need, what is going to make trying to get through this so much worse, is, is pitting people against each other, making this into a blame game. It's just, it's not good. And I can't, cannot believe that this conversation is being kicked off again, not by some random feminist activist, but by someone who's actually in government. Moving on though, in our next segment, we're gonna be talking about something that honestly, I'm not even sure really how to feel about. And the feelings that I do have, I actually think a, a good amount of you may disagree with me, but that's okay. We can have those disagreements. Uh, doesn't mean we still can't be friends. That's fine. When it happens, uh, we'll just, we'll talk about it. So there is a new concern among trans activists that because of the way anti-rape laws are written in the UK, trans people may be liable of committing rape for not disclosing their biological sex to their partner. I know it sounds confusing. Uh, we have an article from The Independent that explains it. Trans people could face rape charges if they don't declare sexual history, warns trans activists. The article reads, a transgender activist has highlighted the issue of gender identity in legal sexual consent, warning that trans people in the UK may face rape charges and potentially jail if they fail to disclose their gender history to their sexual partners. Sophie Cook, an LGBT speaker, trans activist, and the first transgender newscaster to appear on Europe terrestrial TV says that under the UK law, deceiving someone about the nature of a sex act makes them incapable of informed consent. That means penetrative sex may amount to rape if the partner claimed they were unaware of a transgender person's history. And this is where they get into the actual UK law, which again is written very, very strangely and is actually quite sexist. It's under Section 2 of the Sexual Offenses Act 2003. It is an offense if a defendant intentionally penetrates the vagine or butthole of a person or whether the other person where the other person does not consent and where the defendant does not reasonably believe the other person consents and they also give a definition of consent which is a person consents for the purpose of this act if he agrees by choice and has the freedom and capacity to make that choice so i think the issue here is under that freedom and capacity now i think when people talk about freedom of capacity they're usually referring to things like you can't it you can't count it as consent if they're being coerced or if they are, for example, under the influence, right? Which makes sense. But I think lying to your partner about being trans, really lying to your partner about anything before sleeping with them, that's not a good thing. Uh, that's morally repugnant. However, is, is that rape? Now, we're going to get into why these trans activists think no. I, I don't think it is either. Just because I don't think it's the government's job to ensure that you've properly verified your partner before you choose to sleep with them, right? Um, but the, the trans activist says transgender people are entitled to a private life and the personal choice as to how much of their history they disclose to the extent that our personal details are locked by HM revenue and customs. By forcing transgender people to disclose their history to prospective partners, the law is not only infringing their human rights, it's also enforcing the bigoted idea that trans people are in some way abhorrent and something that people need to be warned about. That I disagree with, right? Um, wanting to know whether someone you're sleeping with is trans gender does not mean that trans people are abhorrent or, you know, that they need to be warned about, but just understand that for a lot of people, 
if they're going into a situation assuming that they're with a biological female and you can't say that biological sex is irrelevant when it comes to sex because it's not, um, that is a really crappy thing for you to do or for you to want to do as a trans person. And I know people like Blair White who are trans have spoken up and said, mm -mm, like you, if, if you're going to be getting intimate with someone or even dating them, you need to be honest with that. And I think that's the right choice to make. And why would you be trying to sleep with someone or date someone who you're afraid is going to reject who you really are anyway? It just doesn't make sense on its face. Uh, the Crown Prosecution Service says it will not automatically prosecute trans people for having sex by deception, and each case is treated separately. CPS also has guidelines surrounding transgender equality. Previous cases in the public eye have highlighted these ambiguities. So apparently there actually have been cases in the past where people have been prosecuted for lying about gender identity. So this isn't even speaking in the abstract. This is actually something that has happened. In November 2015, lawyers for Gail Newland, the young woman jailed for eight years for duping a female lover into thinking she was a man to embark on a sexual relationship, lodged an appeal against her sentence. Legal experts warned at the time that the severity of the jail term created a dangerous precedent for transgender people, pointing out that Newland's sexual assault jail term was tougher than some given to people convicted of manslaughter or child rape. Okay, that's another interesting thing there. Even if we were to say that lying to someone and then sleeping with them or I've heard people call it rape by deception, is something that the law should be taking control of, should it still be prosecuted the same as someone who forcibly, uh, you know, assaults someone? I, I don't think so. And again, I'm not condoning any of this behavior. It's all terrible. But let's be realistic. It is not the same as someone tackling you in an alleyway and assaulting you. It's just, it's not. The article continues, speaking in a recent trans justice conference in London aimed at creating strategies for addressing urgent issues faced by trans people. Uh, the activists reinforced the issue by saying, at what point should the disclosure be made? As you're snuggling up in bed and run the risk of a transphobic assault and potentially worse, or maybe trans people could be made to wear a handy badge on their clothing, identifying their history. If trans people should have to disclose this, why shouldn't everyone? Okay, that again, if you're this worried about the person you're about to sleep with taking this the wrong way and potentially beating you up or rejecting you, maybe you shouldn't be sleeping with them in the first place. How about that? Right? I feel like this, the only reason why this problem exists is because people are trying to be promiscuous and have, have sex with people they really don't know. And it's like, okay, that's a bad decision. You're likely going to be emotionally hurt by this. That's That's not the government's job to protect you from that though it's just it's awful that you're you're trying to use the law to protect your lies and again I, I mean I I guess on on principle agree with them but this is for the wrong reasons the activist also said that surely a racist could complain to a judge that he felt used after realizing that the woman he slept with had previously had a black partner or the homophobe object when discovering that his girlfriend had experimented with other women at uni and i feel like a lot of you may disagree with the idea that a trans person not disclosing their gender identity to their partner before sex is rape. but think about it think about what other things this could apply to um, right? This could apply to all types of things. Um, if you lie about what your salary is before you sleep with someone, a girl, and then she finds out, are you guilty of rape? 
maybe she says she she only slept with you because of your salary and because that's not true it's rape by deception what what then or let's see if you've ever cheated on your partner should that be considered rape too because your partner probably only slept with you under the the assumption that you are a monogamous couple but if that assumption isn't true then technically any time she slept with you while you were sleeping with someone else, that's also considered rape, right? I feel like this whole rape by deception thing, it's just, it's a very, very dangerous concept. Um, and it also cheapens what rape actually is. This is not a rule that if applied would benefit, I think, anybody. Just be more selective, be more careful about who you sleep with, problem solved. Um, and this the whole deceptive issue has actually been brought to court and convicted people in the UK before, not just trans people. We have a story here of a man who claimed he had had a vasectomy when he hadn't, also being persecuted. Uh, sorry, prosecuted. He's rightly persecuted. That's a really bad thing to do. Um, but we have this from the BBC. A man is challenging his conviction for raping a woman who willingly slept with him after he falsely claimed to have a vasectomy. Okay, willingly slept with him. As far as I'm concerned, that's period. Case closed. It's not raped. Or it's not rape. Doesn't mean what he did was okay, but it's not rape. It says, how can someone be guilty of rape if their partner has agreed to sex and what implications does the case have? I have a confession. I'm still fertile. Sorry, XXX. Apparently, I think that was a text that he had sent. Sally, not her real name, was distraught as she read the text message from Jason Lawrence, a man she had met through a dating website. Are you serious? She texted back. You utter bastard. Why the hell would you do that to me? Before Sally had sex with Lawrence, he told her that he'd had the snip and she consented to having sex without a condom, but would never have done so if she had known Lawrence was fertile. She'd also had no idea he was a serial rapist. Okay, I feel like the serial rapist thing is actually a, a bigger deal than the vasectomy thing, but bigger picture here, if you really don't know this guy, which I'm guessing she didn't know him that well because she didn't know all these things about him, you should still use a condom, right? Pregnancy is not the only thing that can go wrong by having unprotected sex. You could get an STI. So this is just, this is bad decisions being made overall. Then 42 and already a mother, Sally did not want another child. She took the morning after pill, but became pregnant, then went through the ordeal of having an abortion. Lawrence, previously of Leicestershire, English names, went on to be convicted of raping Sally twice because they'd had sex two times in a case with no known precedent in the UK. So again, this is serious stuff. This is actually having an effect on people's lives. And what's also interesting about this case is that a lot of guys might also be thinking, hey, this is great if this guy is being charged with rape for not actually having had a vasectomy, then if your girlfriend lies about being on the pill or having an IUD or whatever, form of birth control it is, then she has raped you, right? And actually, I agree with that. Not that I think either of those things are rape, but if, if a man lying about being fertile is rape, then a woman doing the same thing should also be rape. And I know there have been horror stories online of guys having their girlfriends do that to them, get pregnant so they can kind of trap them. Um, I'm for equality, right? And I think there is a point to be made there, but what's so... I mean, it's funny, but not really, is that in this article, it actually brings up that argument. Uh, but one of the lawyers is like, no, it's not the same thing. So uh, Lawrence's defense barrister, David Emanuel, compared his client's lie about the vasectomy to a woman lying about being on the contraceptive pill. He argued that if Lawrence were convicted of rape for lying about being infertile, then a woman could arguably be convicted of a sexual offense for a similar act of deceit. 
I completely agree with that. If we're going to have uh, rape by deception be a thing, it needs to be a thing for both genders. Under current law in England and Wales, a woman cannot be prosecuted for raping a man because rape is defined under the Sexual Offenses Act as an offense of penetration committed with a penis. Super, super sexist. Uh, that probably needs to be a segment of its own someday because that is so antiquated. Legislation in Scotland, Northern Ireland also specifies that rape is committed with a penis. Trash. Miss Russell has a problem with the vasectomy and contraceptive pill comparison. With issues around conception and pregnancy, it's the woman whose body and life and health is affected by that kind of lie. That is not in any way comparing like for like because it's a woman who has to deal with the consequences of pregnancy and termination and, in the example given, the impacts on the man are not of a comparable kind. Okay, you don't get to say that if, at the same time, we have things like child support, right? A, a child affects a man's life in a huge way as well. And don't forget, if a woman gets pregnant, no one is forcing her to actually keep the child and raise it herself. Adoption is always an option. But if a woman goes through with the pregnancy and keeps the child, the man who's involved, the father, does not have a choice in things. So this is just, this is some hypocrisy right here. I would love to know what you guys think about this. Again, I'm pretty sure that some of you are going to disagree with me on it. And remember, I'm not saying that deceiving someone or sleeping with them is a cool thing to do. Just go for it. But should it be considered rape? Should it be charged the same way that actual rape is charged? If you ask me, no, I would be, you know, willing to have a conversation about maybe this should be a, a civil suit or something like that, that I, there may be a possibility for that. But uh, no, lying to your partner makes you a lot of things. But a literal rapist, I don't think so. And next up, we are going to be talking about PETA, the animal rights hippies, and some questionable advice they recently gave about Animal Crossing. Now, if you haven't heard of it, Animal Crossing, it's a super popular game. I've never played it personally, but I think it's kind of like Sims where you have your own little avatar and you can kind of build a life, like a, a fake little life on, a, on an island and you have animal friends. I don't know. I don't really know why I'm trying to explain it since I don't know what it is. If Liam were here, which I wish he was, he he would probably be all over this. But yeah, it, it's a very popular game. I People talk about it all the time. I think a new one just came out. way PETA relates to this is that they're kind of known for their super cringy, ineffective uh, campaigns. The end speciesism Super Bowl commercial that didn't end up airing. That was really, really bad with all the animals kneeling. Their social media feeds are just awful. Actually, I follow them with the sole purpose pretty much of bullying them. And if you look at the replies they get, it's just everybody hating on them. I would almost feel bad for their social media person if what they posted wasn't so insufferable, but it is. So instead of feeling bad, I just, I join in. But they posted this video to their TikTok account and mirrored it on Twitter. Their reception. The reception was not good. Uh, there's text, which I will read for all of our lovely audio-only listeners. And don't forget, guys, if you're not already, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. So the video is all about how to spread animal rights while playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. And they advise to customize your passport message, like with Adopt, Don't Shop, post rules for your visitors, like no fishing, no catching bugs, and make a custom sign like go vegan, eat fruit, and have animal-friendly fun. This is why nobody likes PETA, right? Uh, this was not well-received, predictably. A lot of people in the replies were actually bringing up how PETA, 
PETA actually does euthanize animals, or at least they used to. Uh, there are no kill shelters that exist that refuse to put down any animals in their care. PETA, at least previously, was not like that. And they have euthanized animals. A lot of people like to bring that up. Like, your virtue signaling about eating virtual bugs, you've killed actual animals. All right. Um, I think people were especially mad about this, though, because one, if you're just trying to relax, play some Animal Crossing, you're probably not too interested in being guilted or shamed by some crazy animal rights activists. It's just, it's not what you're in the mood for, right? Um, and two, this is probably the least effective form of activism that I can think of, like for animal activism, even for PETA, which historically just doesn't do, do a good job of things. Even other vegans were ripping on them for trying to do this. Uh, a, the animals are not real. That's probably the the biggest thing wrong with this. Like fishing digitally uh, hurts nothing. And B, people play video games where they, they kill fake people. PETA doesn't say anything about that. I mean, it cares so much about all life, but Animal Crossing is what they're going to take offense by. It, it just doesn't make sense. And uh, we can debate the morality of eating animals. I think a lot of people do. That's one of the most, I think, common online forms of debate that I see going around. Uh, but no, this is this is the vegan equivalent of violence in video games causes violence in real life. And it's 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 stupid when people say it about GTA. It's even more stupid when people say it about uh, Animal Crossing. And really, when you think of it, th this is just PETA inviting their own activists to get bullied online. No, no one's going to like the the vegan trying to convince other people to be vegan or play vegan on Animal Crossing. And it's funny because they, they also have all of these tips to play as a vegan in the game, like um, eating fruit and just other things you can do aside from fishing or collecting bugs to survive in the game. But as this one person pointed out, it actually may not even be possible to play the game vegan. Uh, Lucas7Yoshi tweeted, in order to unlock the axe recipe, you must catch bugs slash fish to show them to Tom Nook, who I think is some character in the game, who gives you the recipe for the axe. The person has an axe in their inventory, therefore they captured bugs slash insects. So yeah, maybe it's not even possible to play Animal Crossing vegan and the person whose account this is actually didn't start the game vegan, but now is trying to switch it, but it's not possible. Um, so they actually have an entire guide that they release. It wasn't just this video. It was a full article, a long one, explaining how you can play vegan Animal Crossing New Horizons. We're going to look at it here, make fun of it a little bit. With everyone self-isolated at home and finding themselves on social media more than ever, by now you've probably heard about Nintendo's new game, Animal Crossing New Horizons. This vegan guide to it will help you answer some of the tough ethical questions that it presents. Okay, full stop. I've never played this game before, but at the same time, I can say with 100% certainty from what I know about Animal Crossing, there are no tough ethical questions that it presents not that type of game. Use it as an opportunity to help real animals while living your island life. So is fishing in Animal Crossing vegan? This is a biggie. Fishing isn't vegan. You shouldn't fish in real life, so you shouldn't do so in the game either. Sure, unlike in real life, the fish in the game don't feel pain. 
I feel like that's okay, full stop. Okay, like you said, fish in the game don't feel pain. So what's the problem? I mean, who who approaches video games with the mentality? Well, oh, I wouldn't do it in real life. So I better not do it in the game. Nobody. That defeats the purpose of a game. Okay, they say but fishing is harmful to animals and the planet. This is your island and it's your job to protect it, tearing the wildlife right out of their ocean home so that you can donate them to blathers for museum exhibits don't know what that means, is not only cruel, but also bad for the environment. All right. No, it's not cruel because again, it's not real. And I, I'm sorry, but when it comes to fish, I think there's an argument to be made whether it's cruel for real fish either because they're they're not too, too high up on the IQ scale, but also the environment. This is, it's, it's not an environment, right? You, you cannot cause the ecosystem of Animal Crossing to collapse by overfishing. And this is, that's actually a topic that I care about for real life. Uh, you know, fishing sustainability. I think that matters. Doesn't matter when it comes to Animal Crossing. It doesn't. They say in the real world, every year anglers leave behind a trail of tackle victims that include millions of birds, turtles, dolphins, and other animals who sustain debilitating injuries after they swallow fish hooks or become entangled in fishing lines. Wildlife rehabilitators say that discarded fishing tackle is one of the greatest threats to aquatic animals. Don't let this happen on your island. Okay, this is something that I'm with PETA on. I support it. I care about ocean life. But this is not a conversation about ocean life and whether we should help it. This is a conversation about you just being spurks. I'm sorry, not understanding the concept of a game. You can, you can care about the real-life fishing problems all you want. It's not, it's not going to affect what happens in the game. It's not. They also ask, is it okay to catch bugs in Animal Crossing? From butterflies to wharf roaches, your island is a bustling home for various insects and other little animals. Keep it that way. All right. So here's the thing. People don't even care about real life bugs. I'm going to be uh, totally frank with you guys. I could give a crap whether bugs die. I really don't care. Actually, if I see a bug in the house, I will kill it. I'm not one of those people who's going to put it on the thing and then put it outside. No, I'm sorry. So I, you'd be fighting an uphill battle to get people to care about actual bugs. Animal crossing bugs, though. Okay, you're you are a crazy person. This was written by a crazy person. Then they ask, do clams feel pain? On your island, you can dig for clams. Here's why you shouldn't. Clams are bivalves who may look less familiar to us than mammals, but they still deserve consideration and respect. They are capable of a surprising range of behavior. Did you know, for instance, that they can escape from danger by burrowing through sand? Although it's unclear whether they feel pain, in the real world, they play an important role in the ecosystem. And if they do feel pain, they constitute a huge group of animals suffering for food every year. All right, so this is just like the choosing the weirdest hills to die on. Okay, clams. We don't even know if they feel pain in real life, so I think it's very debatable whether it's even wrong to eat them in real life. I would say no, I love clams. But again, so you're taking, these, these aren't even real versions of the thing that may not even feel pain. It's just, I don't, I, I, I don't understand. Um, yeah, the thing about activism is you have to pick your battles. Okay, you do. Um, if you're always crying about something, then people, they're just going to ignore you. They're going to say, this is a crybaby, always complaining about something. They're going to tune you out. They're going to stop listening to you. Uh, so when it comes to activism, you, you got to choose what's going to resonate most with people. Okay, for PETA, we have a global pandemic right now 
that is arguably caused by or related to wet markets in Asia, right? Specifically in China. Um, this is a huge problem everyone is having to deal with. And not only are the animal rights abuses that happen in these conditions disgusting, and I say that as a Chinese person who loves a lot of my culture, but not that part, um, you could be getting so many people on board with pressuring these countries to shut these places down to institute anti-animal cruelty laws and like you know to be fair they have put out a few tweets about it but why with all of this going on you would even think to say hang on vegan animal crossing i just i don't understand right this you are needlessly alienating people acting ridiculous when there's actual animal rights activism to be done. I don't understand I, I, I don't understand it right now. Um, this is because they're ideologues, right? They they don't want to compromise. They would rather focus attention on animal crossing in, instead of humans dying and I don't know, dogs being bats being cooked up. Uh, you know, Yulin Dog Festival, that happens all the time. Why isn't PETA Focus on that nonstop because that's something everybody would care about. And even people who aren't animal rights activists do care about that. Bring those people together. Don't do this. No one's going to like you about this. And it gets even worse. They release some photos about how to like bring a vegan message to the game. Uh, yeah, so they recommend doing things like calling your island veganville. Hashtag end speciesism. Oh, yeah, because that's going to get you a lot of visitors. Uh, you know, little yard signs saying go vegan. Very useful. Uh, rules for the island. Zero tolerance policy on speciesism. No fishing, no catching bugs. Respect all animals while visiting. Thank you. So the whole speciesism thing. That's what the Super Bowl commercial they tried to put out, but it wasn't actually released, focused on. And if you go to their pages, it's all about end speciesism now. PETA, for like the past decade has always been off their rocks, but I feel like lately they've gone even further, right? Because now it's not just like, let's treat animals ethically. They've gone full. Animals should be treated the same as humans and have the same rights as humans and anything else is just human supremacy. You can be a vegan, you can be an animal activist, animal rights activist, and still acknowledge that, okay, humans, animals, right? I mean, just like, just, just fairly. Let's let's not pretend otherwise. You have to be pretty off your rocks to look at a bug and look at a human and and think both both of them have equal worth. Like you you are insane. But the whole the whole species is a message. It's all that PETA is pushing right now. And actually they have this other video on their social media feed that it's it's cringy to watch. These people are fanatics, honestly. Hey, I'm Bryn, one of the PETA staffers for the SOS movement or Students Opposing Speciesism. This is a PETA-backed revolt led by young people ages 24 and younger to end human supremacy. Young people are bringing animal rights into the forefront of people's minds. Gen Z will be the generation to end speciesism and our powerful voices will help abolish this social injustice. Speciesism is the misguided belief that one species is more important than the other. The time for animal liberation is now and the revolt will be led by us. Yeah, right? I mean, they, they sound like a cult. Uh, PETA, this is just making 
everybody hate you, please stop. Let's let's reevaluate things. You know, let's go back to the roots of fighting for ethical animal treatment. You don't need to make everyone into some I don't know, vegan weirdo who thinks that bugs have the same worth as people to get actual change done with animal treatment, right? Let's focus on the wet markets. Let's focus on sustainable fishing. Let's focus on anti-animal cruelty. Uh, we can leave the Animal Crossing vegan guys to someone else, Pre preferably nobody. But uh, I think that's pretty much all I have to say for now. And as always, I would love to know what you guys think about all of this. And I we, we will keep you posted as to what we're going to be doing in the future regarding our Wednesday shows. Hopefully this whole quarantine lockdown doesn't last too, too long. But uh, aside from that, I will see you guys later. Bye.